Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Neubauer. I'm a partner in the investment management group at Stuart Kissel. Thanks for joining us today. This is our second episode of the Fundraising Focus series. Uh, this series will feature conversations with individuals and firms who are involved in the capital raising process for private funds. In this episode, we'll be having a conversation with Michael Keveny, Managing Director at Capstone Partners. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having us, ha having me. Um, it's a pleasure. Could you, could you just spend a minute introducing yourself and your firm to the audience? Sure. So um, I'm Managing Director, as Kevin said, and Capstone Partners. We are a global boutique placement agent headquartered in Dallas. Um, I run our New York office. I've been with the group for eight years now. Um, we have offices also in London, Geneva, Singapore. And, um, we market private equity and real estate, real asset funds globally. Uh, it's usually in the range of sort of five to six um, private equity funds in North America, two to three in Europe, one to two in Asia, across all sectors. Um, and I've been a placement agent now for over a decade. I used to be a limited partner. I used to work for General Motors Pension Group, now called Performance Equity Management. Great. Thanks for that background. So, you know, like any other topic, we're discussing these days, uh, we're trying to assess the impact of COVID, right? So how is the fundraising, how is fundraising as a general matter evolved um, as a result of the current environment or where we are in the pandemic, hopefully the light at the end of the tunnel is coming soon. Where do you see things and, and what's been the evolution over the past year? Sure. Yeah, so when, when, when sort of the pandemic hit, um, everyone kind of put pencils down. We were in full stand down mode. I think people were trying to figure out what was up, what was down. And what, when checks started getting written and, and closing started occurring again, it was a lot of re-ups and things that were in process. So if anything we had kind of close to the finish line usually got over the line, but things that were in the middle of the, uh, you know, middle of the fairway or were just getting started in a process, those came to a screeching halt. And I think what, what we saw um, from LPs is just, they were, they were really focused on uh, investing with groups that they had met over a long period of time, groups that were more established, whether they be higher Roman numeral or three or four or five. Um, and, and some of the groups that we had in market, um, you know, we had to change different tactics. You know, that's getting deals done and putting them into the fund so people could look at exactly what they were buying. Um, and I think LPs really enjoyed that because they wanted to see what deal flow looked like uh, in the post-pandemic world. Um, you know, they were hoping for more discounts. And I think what they saw, um, there, there was really sort of a blip in the market where um, some deep discounts occurred. But for the most part, things came back uh, pretty strong from a multiple standpoint and entry value standpoint. Got it. And in terms of process, you know, from kind of initial communication, actual commitment. Have you seen that process lengthen over the course of the past year? Yeah, so that is the one thing that we've seen happen across the board, no matter what strategy, what fund. Uh, the, the funds that were coming to market, we delayed um, and the market delayed. Um, so in sort of the back half of 20 and the beginning of 21, there was sort of a myriad of funds coming to market, which is really just elongated the, the process in general. Um, so things that we were thinking about 
closing within three, four months took six months and, and six months turns into 12 months and 12 months turns into 16 months and, and so on and so on. And I think that's partly because you know, we couldn't see people in person. We couldn't force an uh, egregious timeline on our LPs. Um, they were dealing with internal issues themselves. And I think, you know, we'll, when we talk with our GPs, our, our mindset was let's, let's listen to our LPs. Let's not put, um, you know, a, a timeline um, that is egregious that they will, you know, just say no based on a timeline. That is what we're, we're trying not to accomplish is to get a no answer out of an LP based on, um, you know, some, um, you know, arduous timeline that we put in place. And so, you know, with, with not being able to, to, to see people in person and switching towards the, the Zoom worlds, um, that has turned into more meetings, more touch points. Um, you know, usually on average from a commitment standpoint, we see an LP anywhere from five to seven times. And that's usually maybe a first or second meeting a follow-up meeting, an update meeting, maybe an on-site, then ODD, um, legal, and then usually a commitment. That's a smooth process. That has turned into multiple, multiple meetings, multiple, right? we've shifted on-sites to sometimes two days. Um, that is bringing in more people into the process. So on average, we'd meet, you know, in a, in a group that's got five or six people, including a CIO, we'd meet you know, maybe two of the team members and the CIO. And now we were meeting everyone on the team through Zoom because people are around, they can jump on camera, they're not on planes, there's less conflicts. Um, and, and that's turned into meeting more of the team members. We've met board members, we've met uh, full investment teams um, where maybe we would just uh, meet with a, you know, the, the two that were in the office at the time. Um, and that just dragged things on. And I think, you know, for the most part, the GPs have accepted it. Um, you know, it's never easy fundraising now is, 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 is extremely difficult, but you know, we can be, we can be in New York in the morning. Uh, we can be in, you know, Chicago in the afternoon and, and LA in the evening, and they never have to leave the comfort of their own home and or office. And so it, in a way, it becomes a little bit more efficient um, from, from a time perspective, um, as you're not doing a lot of sort of wasted meetings, but, um, you know, at the same time, uh, you're, 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 you're spending a lot more time with, with, with those that are interested in the products you're, you're, you're placing. Yeah. And so the process got longer. You're speaking to more personnel um, at a given investor and obviously the meetings have been done virtually um, in large part. What of those, what of those trends do you see continuing beyond, you know, the point in time where there's herd immunity or at least there's a greater degree of comfort um, with people hopping on a plane, having an in-person meeting, um, you know, going forward? Yeah, I mean, that's a magical question. I, I, I would love to, I, I would <laughs> love to say I have the answer. Um, it really is going to come down to the LP community in general. Um, you know, I talk to some that don't want to go back to the office. I talk to others that are already back in the office um, and when they're allowed to start taking meetings. I mean, during this process, I would say 99% of our meetings were virtual, but we've had had LP say, look, I want to shake hands. I want to meet the GP. 
I want to come to the office and, and see the people in person. And, and the GPs have been okay with it for the most part. Um, and then this has been recent, you know, this wasn't, um, you know, 12 months ago, this was, this was in the last quarter, quarter and a half. Um, and as we've seen that sort of develop, um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking to kind of get back to the, uh, on the road and, and, and meet people in person. Um, so it's a, it's a good question is, you know, when we, I'd say on average, the LPs we're talking to are going to go back to the office somewhere over the summer or end or fall. And at that point, we'll be able to figure out if, you know, we can start doing road shows. I mean, pre, pre-pandemic, you know, I was on the road three, four days a week with GPs and LPs alike, um, you know, having five, six meetings a day with our GPs. Um, you know, it's probably going to be when we go to a city like Philadelphia, instead of meeting seven people, we're probably going to meet three. Um, and the rest are going to be virtual because that'll be the first touch point. And if it doesn't pass, you know, muster from the first uh, first meeting, then um, we won't meet them in person the next time we uh, we go to the city. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think you're right, though, with respect to not just fundraising, but in all other aspects, people are just not sure how much of the kind of um, you know, dependence on remote communications and, you know, reluctance to hop on a plane and fly somewhere, how much of that's going to stick around. So I guess we'll see. Um, yeah. switch, switching gears, you know, in terms of, you know, the kind of current market trends, what, what, where are you getting the most traction right now as a general matter from, you know, with respect to various sectors that, that Capstone covers? Yeah. So I'd say there was a, there was a general shift over you know, the last couple of years to, to more sector focused funds, more specialists um, than generalists. Um, yep. There's tremendous success on the general side, but I think the LPs have, have started to realize that the better returns come from sector specialists. Um, you know, that's across a variety of different sectors, whether that be um, healthcare, technology, consumer. Um, you know, I think we're seeing, um, a lot of interest in sort of non-correlated strategies um, as, you know, things that are tied to um, the stock market, um, you know, have made people a little bit more wary, um, you know, so in, in that sense, and, and as of late, you know, we're, we're starting to hear a lot of bit more on the growth side. Um, so, so um, higher flying returns, um, you know, some more on the, on the growth year sectors. And, I, and I'd say, you know, sectors tough because it really all comes down to the type of LP and what their, their underlying portfolio looks like. The type is, is a little bit different. Um, you know, we do a lot on the first time fund side, um, which is a market that we've been very successful in. Uh, we love it. But during the pandemic, we, we, we chose to kind of avoid it um, because putting a first time fund or team in market over over Zoom is very difficult. You got to meet people in person because they probably haven't met them in the past. And if they don't have exposure to their prior group, um, it just makes it very challenging. So it's a space that we avoided and we always like to have at least one or two first-time funds in market. Um, what, but we've always kind of kept that door ajar. If the right team comes across, the right sector comes across that, you know, it's just too good to be true. And I think the LPs have kind of agreed with our analysis that first time fund was, and, and in a lot of downturns uh, there, that is the first kind of type to go. Um, Cause that's hard to take to committee. You know, instead of doing a GP or a re-up that you know well, 
or a GP you've met multiple times that has solid returns, you know, most LPs are not going to take a first time fund, maybe a first time team to, to, to investment committee uh, in a pandemic. Um, but I think what, you know, and in our analysis and, and how we've, you know, we, we try to chat with a lot of LPs without a GP in tow, trying to get to know them, what, what they're, what they want to see over the next 12, 24 months. Um, what we've seen is, you know, they're starting to take uh, a harder look at, um, you know, what are we missing? Because in an LP's portfolio in their pipeline, they've probably worked through um, and have re-upped with the majority of the managers they wanted to, and they kind of have to refill that pipeline. Um, and the way you do that is either, um, you know, moving different strategies or different teams or the first-time funds uh, space where a team, you know, maybe, you know, at fund three to fund four, you know, they've jumped up in size and you want to go back to that three, 400, 500 million uh, dollar range. The way you can do it is, is jumping on, um, you know, or jumping aboard of a new first time fund. Interesting. And you mentioned this before, but we certainly saw as well on the fund formation side, you know, there are a lot of would be first time fund sponsors during 2020. Um, and then, you know, during the sort of second half of 2020 and into 2021, there's there's a greater number of them, right? Because many of them sat on the sidelines waiting for the right time. Um, and from their perspective, that that might have made that might have been the, the better call as opposed to going out and fundraising, but but really challenging. Um, you're really struggling to do so. Um, right. And, and so what and what that has led to to your original question is all those funds that were about to come to market, if they had left their prior shop, became a fundless sponsor, started going deals, doing deals, and now have entered the fundraising market. And so that's just, it adds the complexity of how many funds are in market right now. In, in terms of sort of, other than the point we just made about timing of kind of would be first time fund managers, in terms of the types of funds, you know, be they um, sector focused or non-correlated, those that you mentioned, um, any of those trends related to COVID and the recovery from COVID, or is this just sort of natural um, progression of LPs taste. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say there's there's a there's a direct line in the sand that they won't do certain funds that might have been impacted by COVID. But um, you know, there there are certain sectors, and I'm not going to you know pick and bash on certain ones. Um, but but there are those that you know uh, we can you can probably guess the the ones that were infect uh, you know affected dramatically through COVID, you know, if their doors were shut and the underlying businesses, that's probably not the first strategy LP is going to jump into. Um, yeah. But yeah, there, there is in the back of everyone's mind now when they're looking at a strategy is how will if COVID happens again, how can you protect yourself? You know, what, what were those sectors that were essential through COVID that businesses could, could manage through continue to gain market share, bring in revenue, um, and are in a great position now to be sold. Um, I think LPs are kind of, you know, walking more towards those strategies than the ones that, you know, and the drop of a hat, you know, have to shutter. Yeah. Um, you know, we covered um, the, the idea of, of due diligence earlier insofar as, you know, the meetings that were formerly happening in person are now happening remotely. Anything else you've seen sort of from the diligence process um, that changed um, as a result of the pandemic, other than the, the fact that um, you know, meetings were happening virtually instead of in person? 
I'd say the only thing we've seen that I think has been helpful to everyone is kind of how we did the virtual due diligence, um, specifically around on-sites. Um, for those that are going to watch this, that um, you know, been part of on-sites uh, on the fundraising side, it is a grueling four to five hours in-person session um, that takes a toll on the LP and the GP as it is uh, it is long, and the place manager for that matter sitting there. Um, but what we've decided to do is it's really hard to gain people's attention through video for a long period of time is to break it out into two days. Um, so, you know, two and a half hour session on one day, maybe on a Monday, and then do another one maybe on a, on a Wednesday or Thursday and give the LP time to reflect. Maybe they didn't get the answer they were looking for, or wanted the GP to expand on a certain topic, um, rather than just cramming it down in one day. Now, not, not all LPs and GPs agreed on that, um, but we found a lot of LPs thought that was a good idea and, and, and have kind of taken that um, uh, in stride. Now, does that change when we start going back in person? Probably, because if we're flying out to, you know, if we are New York, New York based LP and you're flying to LA, or you do, do you want to stay for two days um, and, 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 and spread it out? Probably not. But I think we have found it to be pretty effective. You know, the back end of those virtual in-person meetings, you know, the last hour, you could tell everyone was just tired. And, you know, when you break it in the second day, um, you know, it just becomes a little bit more efficient. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I mean, the, most, yeah, most questions, most topics really remain the same. One of the things that we spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, from a legal perspective in 2020 was, you know, the, how our clients' business continuity plans withstood the test of the pandemic and the exclusive work from home environment. You know, just at, at a sort of high level general matter, um, do your, do your G, how did your GPs do um, instituting this, you know, sudden 100% remote environment? Were, were LPs generally satisfied as to how that all held up or did you see sort of systemic issues? Yeah, I think for the most part, um, you know, the GPs were, pretty efficient in how they, they manage the process. Um, you know, those that have multiple offices were already used to it. Um, you know, I think there was a mindset, of, you know, with the LP, you know, is everyone under the same roof? Um, that was always a diligence question. Um, you know, the ones that weren't, maybe they had multiple offices, one on each coast. Um, that was always a question mark in the LP's mind. How do you, how do you manage through that? Um, and I think what we found is, their GPs can, you know, with technology these days can be pretty resilient and, and manage the process pretty, uh, pretty efficiently. Um, so, it, you know, I think for the most part, it, it hasn't been an issue. Um, you know, if this happened 10 years ago and we didn't have Zoom, uh, we couldn't see each other at least over video. I think that would have been a bigger issue. Um, but now the real question is if the you know, a GP had multiple offices, maybe they, you know, they had two offices, maybe it turns into three or four because people went back to where their, their hometown was or, you know, moved, uh, moved away uh, and want to stay in those specific locations and can manage efficiently. You know, maybe that's the new norm. Maybe there just isn't a headquarters anymore uh, per se that everyone has to be under one roof. Um, but those are trends that will play out over time. Yeah, and for what it's worth, you know, our, our experience was the same. As a general matter, you know, those those policies got put into place unexpectedly, and they and they held up. And um, you know, from a regulatory perspective, there seems to be, you know, no huge issues that presented themselves. 
Um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, I think across, good. you know, not just GP, LP, lawyers, but across the board. Right. You know, when you when you're at home or you're at your own individual office, um, you can really figure out redundancies pretty quickly, uh, and who's productive and who's not, because uh, you're 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 looking at it through a different lens now. Um, and so I think in the end, it's it's probably good for all industries to, um, not that this happened in general, but that uh, you know you can look at things uh, from a ten thousand foot level. Um, because we were just, you know, stuck in a rut, you know, going to the office every day. Yeah, totally. Cool. Well, Michael, any final thoughts before we break? No, I mean, I think, you know, fundraising, you know, it, it you read the headlines it is we're, we're going to have record years this year. Um, you know, there's a lot of funds in the market. Things are getting done. But I think it's always been the mindset quality wins out. If you're a high quality GP, LPs will pay attention. And then it's on. It's our job to, to put those high quality managers in front of LPs and, and get fundraising done in an efficient manner. And, you know, cool. I think we've done that well through COVID and we'll continue to do it. But um, the good thing is LPs are putting more and more money to work in private equity and real assets, um, you know, and, and are, are expanding their portfolios and growing allocation. So that's the good thing. Um, yep. So we're, we're excited about the future. Excellent, us too. Well, Michael Kanivi, MD at Capstone Partners. Can't thank you enough for taking the time and we will speak soon. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Take care.